Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Gold podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I am your host, Kyle Devitt. Alongside me, we are back in the lab. It's Mr. Jack Vitelli. Jack, how we doing? I'm disappointed. You're disappointed? I'm disappointed today. Why is that? Well, I gave you a nice gift for Christmas, put it in the mail and all, and you did thank me for it, but I have yet to see you wear it. You have yet to post anything about it. And now, I didn't expect to get a gift from you, and I didn't, and I didn't get one for, for the holidays, but, you know, it would have been nice for you to have won it today. You know what? I did get you something. Oh, it just happens to be... Well, you have to wear it. I have to wear it? Right now. All right. I'll throw it on right now. All right. All right. As long as it doesn't say Clark. This is, and it does not say Clark. Just, I know this is an audio medium, but Jack is putting on a Hopkinton lacrosse hat. It's a little tight on his head because it was on my head first. <laughs> but he's going to try and finish the podcast with that on. But uh, we should probably just mention our guests here. We have RPI's Scott Hackett-Daglish on, on the pod today. Second appearance by an RPI coach on the Chasing the Gold podcast. I think that breaks a record. Yes, but we have the head coach, which is very special because the assistant coach, he's just an assistant coach. Yeah, and he's related to you, so... Coach, thanks for coming on. How you doing? Thanks so much for having me, fellas. Really appreciate it. Doing great. We're through uh, we're week one preseason, so it's been awesome to be back out there with our guys and, and getting after it. Uh, excited about where we're at. I, I think what I want to start with last season. We're going into 2023, but last season you guys had, had a lot of success. And the unfortunately, the one thing I remember you guys for that I was really excited and didn't get to see was your game against MIT, which got canceled. Because yeah. I think both you guys were undefeated going into that, I believe. And it was yeah, a I think that might be right. Yeah, I think yeah. they were both undefeated. And, and I was just like, oh, man, I can't. I think I previewed it on the on LagJournal.com. No reason to explain it, but you are playing them again this year, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was really, it was one of those weather-related things. So weather just didn't quite cooperate. And, and then that was later in our out-of-season schedule. And we just, we couldn't find a date for both of us that worked. And I would have loved to play them, but I just couldn't make it happen. Yeah. And let's dive a little deeper into your schedule as well. Speaking of out-of-conference, you're playing three NESCAC schools in Middlebury, Hamilton, and Williams. Now, your assistant coach, who we previously mentioned, Chris Piatelli. Went to Hamilton. Hamilton is, by the way, my pick for sleeper team in the NESCAC this year. How much do you weigh those teams as out-of-conference tests for you guys? Because they are kind of at a similar level to maybe not the RITs of the Liberty League and, and whatnot, but other schools in your league. Sure. Yeah. Look, we're always going to schedule the best teams in the country. If you want to be the best, you got to play the best. That's kind of my scheduling philosophy. And so getting teams from top conferences, the teams that are, that are winning their conference, those are always really important to me. So we're excited about those battles and those tests and a lot of different styles of play within those three different teams as, as well as across our schedule. I think that's another really important piece as well. Jack, he said best teams, and I can't help but notice a school absent from the schedule. Springfield and a school that is on this schedule. <laughs> so I just wanted to put that out there. N not really a question, just more of a comment. It's got to be a misprint. I uh, know they played them twice. Last year they did beat the Cougars 20 to four. So hopefully I, we, there's a running joke between Jack and I and pretty much everyone else in lacrosse. That like one day Jeff Cohen is just going to come into the studio like stone cold and just stunner both of us and just be like, stop talking about the program. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be a Chasing the Gold podcast without at least a little bit of a Springfield Clark reference from the two of you. I'm yeah. an avid listener and enjoy the banter for sure. Awesome. Well, you can't really call that a game 20 to 4, can you? I mean, I mean that's not really a scheduled game this year. 
it's a little warm up to, to maybe develop some of the other plays don't get as much time. It might be season. the second game on the schedule. It might be. And it was last year too. But I, I think I'm done talking about Clark. That's my, that's my, I'm done talking about it. Well, let me uh, just say, if I were you, I would be done talking about Clark too. All right. All right. I wrote one thing nice about a Springfield kid last week and you didn't even say anything. So let's, let's kind of delve a little bit into what kind of a school RPI is, right? I think most people know that it's a, it's a high level technical school. It's not easy to get into. And how does that relate to how you run the lacrosse program there? Yeah, great. Great question, Kyle. It, it's a really dynamic institution. A lot of a lot of people from the outside obviously know of us for our engineering. We're the the oldest and therefore the first technological institute in the country. We were certainly founded on things like engineering and the sciences, but in the modern era, I've evolved into a whole lot more. We're right around our 200 year anniversary. RPI is composed of five different schools: the School of Engineering, the Lally School of Management, the School of Sciences, the School of Art, and then what they call the Haas School for short, the Humanities, Arts, and Social Sciences. And so. A ton of offerings, depending on what your interests are academically, certainly phenomenal outcomes. So the, the breakdown of our team is about 40% engineering of all types, 40% in the Lally School of Management, and then 20% in other, a lot of school of science guys, both computer science, as well as we tend to get some biology guys, guys interested in going on to med school and, and things along those lines. So. As I kind of pair that into the second part of your question, certainly we're, we're focused on our bread and butter. We're focused on our engineering. We're focused on our business management, our computer science, our sciences. That's, those are the type of young men and the interests that we try to target because that's what we tend to attract the most as far as men's lacrosse and our academic offerings go. Coach, you've been at a couple of other universities, high academic schools like Dartmouth. Dan is very similar in terms of these player getting into the school, the academic rigors to actually be accepted for admissions? Yeah, certainly high level academics, high admission standards. So there's, there's no question about that. I think the most important thing too is, is setting a young man up for success. It, it doesn't do anybody any good if a young man gets here and, and can't handle the rigors. We're not going to get the most out of him out on the field. He's not going to have a great experience. Not to say you shouldn't be, but our admission staff does a great job of filtering things out through that process for sure. Now, through the process, T's required along with your grades and transcript? T test optional at the moment. We'll see how far into the future that continues. I think as, as is being reviewed by all institutions sort of coming out of the back end of COVID, I hope they keep it, but we haven't gotten word as to whether that's going to be the standard every single year into the future, but uh, test optional right now, obviously rigor in the classroom, challenging your certainly regardless of major, you got to have some sort of pre-calculus, some sort of calculus on the schedule. And then if you're going the engineering science route, you, you've got to have physics on there. They prefer a lab-based physics. Those are two that are going to be key to set you up for success at a place like RPI. You take physics, Jack? No, I didn't. I just didn't have the time for it. No. <laughs> It wasn't, wasn't on the schedule. RPI was not in my plans. I did not apply to, I just, I think back when I was applying to schools, I think filling out an application, send it in was like 25 or $50. And I knew there were a number of schools I wasn't getting into. So I had to save 25, $50 because 25, $50 to me back then was a lot of money. So RPI wasn't on my list, but I had a friend of mine who, Kenny Kearns, who played hockey and lacrosse in the hockey program there is a division yeah. one. They won a net. Did they win a national championship in hockey a number yep. of years ago, right? Adam yep. Oates, Adam Oates played. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So my question is, 
How many students are in the undergrad and graduate programs at RPI? Yeah, that's another unique facet of, of RPI is I like to kind of think of us as that medium-sized school, but we're not the small liberal arts campus, but we're also not a ginormous University of Maryland or University of Michigan. There are about 6,000 undergraduate students, roughly speaking, and about three to four doctoral as well as master's. We we also have a phenomenal program. It's called a co-terminal. So we have a couple guys right now. It seems like just about every year it's the case where they come here for five years, they get their undergraduate degree and their master's, walk out with two degrees. Average salary coming out as an undergraduate is about 75K a year, and, and you tack another 10 on when you walk out with a master's. So not a, not a bad deal, and, and some guys have certainly taken advantage of that with the COVID eligibility. Now, is that program offered through all the five different schools within RPI, or yeah? Yeah, it is. Not to say that every single major is then something that's offered as a, as a master's program, but there are master's programs in all five of the schools. So you can get an MBA, you can get a master's in a bunch of different engineering and so on and so forth. So when you come to your RPI, do you have to make that decision within a certain time to get your graduate program as well within five years? Basically, when you, when you get to the fall of your senior year, you've kind of got to make a decision at, at that point because you'll start into some graduate courses at the end of your senior year to kind of make it all work within that five-year span. But you, you certainly, when you get here or come in here, you, you don't have to know that at all. And more or less, as, as long as you've done a good job in the classroom, you're, you're in pretty good shape at the end of the day. You, you got you to gotta fill out an application, get some signatures, those kind of things, but it's not it's not taking the GREs and going through the whole admissions process all over again, like you did for undergrad. So it's a, it's a really nice setup. Yeah. It's a, a similar setup at Worcester Polytech who doesn't have a lacrosse program. So it's okay to talk about one of my best friend went through five years there and, and got a master's. It's, you have to have a certain GPA, right. To, to get into that program, Correct. like, and yep. maintain it throughout the four years. But that's really, it's, it's a great deal, man. Like people don't realize the, the value of a, of a graduate degree. I, I know. Do, you have one from- uh, I, I do. Yeah. So yeah, I, I got mine at Marywood in, when I first started coaching in, in law and policy. That's actually one of the, the draws when you come out and want to start being a coaching in college is the, the grad assistant position is usually the thing that gets put out there as like one of the biggest bait that you can put on the hook. I have been snared by that bait before and I did not finish my graduate degree at the place that offered me a graduate place. But it is a great opportunity if, if you do get that. Well, and that's why I did it right away, Kyle, because I knew that if yeah, I didn't do it as soon as I graduated from college, it was probably unlikely that I was going back. Well, yeah. Actually, I misspoke. My undergrad was in law and policy. My master's was in public administration. Right. So same, same wheelhouse, but, but a little, little different title. I think the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, just kind of building on Jack's previous question about you being at a bunch of different high-level academic schools, you've been at high-level D1 schools. and uh, beginning program D1 schools and, and division three schools where you've been the head coach and you've kind of moved around through the ether of the coaching world. You're very, you're very well-traveled, I think is a good way to say it. And yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. What do you think is the, the thing that kept you going through that? Cause, cause I mean, sometimes when you're an assistant, we were just talking, we have another guest coming up that has been, that was an assistant for 10 years at a division one school. And we were talking about how, how, how crazy that is. And the hardest part is kind of staying in the pocket with that, right? And not, not switching schools. And then when you do switch schools, you kind of have to start over. How much of that has kind of led, to you, led you to where you are right now at RPI? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a journey and it's been a fun one. I have been really fortunate to, to work with and work for some tremendous head coaches and 
other assistant coaches as, as well as athletic directors and administrators. And really am, am grateful for the, the wealth of experience that I've been able to get throughout my career. I think has really prepared me to, to be in a place like RPI and, and have the success that we've been fortunate to have. I, I think Kyle, if I, if I take myself back, I take myself all the way back to college. I remember getting to the end of my senior year and trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I was thinking about maybe some nonprofit or government work and I just wasn't really sure and did some internships and I started to get through my senior year and I was like, wait a minute, lacrosse is, is not going to be at the forefront of my life. Like I've been playing since I was a little kid. Like that just, it just feels weird. And I, I did know that I wanted to get my master's not only because of what I said before, but I, I, I had three older brothers. None of them got it. They all sort of regretted it in a certain regard. And I just kind of put it in my mind that I was going to go do it. I was like, well, maybe I could get a coaching job and, and get a master's. And, and then I was fortunate to eventually go to work with the Flores, Tiffany Brown, but fortunate to have him as a mentor. And I remember him asking me very early on, where do you want to be in five years? I was like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have any idea. I just graduated and I'm just, I'm just along for the ride right now. I'm just excited to get into this. And so that really got me thinking. And, and I, I set my sights at that point on being a division three head coach. I, I got that opportunity relatively early in my career to, to go back to Marywood university where I started and, and, and then just really wanted to continue my career and end up at a place that had a championship culture and history that had high academics that, that was really invested in, a, in its athletics. And I also am, am fortunate to be married to my wife, Sarah, who was originally from Vermont. And she was pretty clear early on in the relationship that, that she wanted to be in the Northeast, which I was more than happy to do. And uh, so RPI was kind of one of all the, always those schools that was sort of on the, on the list, had an eye on and, and really fortunate to get the opportunity. Yeah, I think now is a, a good time to tell the, the audience how I actually met you and followed you the whole time because I was a, D3 coach at a school that no longer exists. So that puts it in context. And I was the only D3 coach at the camp at Brown, I think in 2011. And I was staying in the dorm, watching the kids. And it was tough because I was, I was older, but I was also like, no one knew who I was. No one knew what I was doing there. They were all D1 assists. They all played together. Everybody knew they're all in the same kind of circle. I'm not in that circle. So I'm trying to break in the circle. And I finally just like kind of gave up and started stringing heads for the kids that were there. So I started just talking to the kids a bunch. And uh, I remember I got basically called into the principal's office. Like, why are you stringing all the kids heads for the kids? I'm like, I mean, the kids are talking to me. <laughs> and I remember, I remember everyone in the room's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, you guys are kind of have the, like this whole thing. It's like hard for me to break into them. I'm a little older. It's, I, I relate to the kids better. And I remember you just being like, no. And you kind of like, were nice to me, I'll say. And I'm not saying everyone else wasn't, but I remember you specifically being like, hey, Kyle, you included me in things. And I remember that. And I feel like that's the attribute of a really good coach is to like include the guy that's not always included. And that was definitely me in that setting. So I've always remembered who you were. I always checked where you were coaching. And it led to like a moment where I get to, you know, host you on the pod. You get to come on the podcast. And I was like, yeah. super excited for that. And it's because of that one moment. I think like that kind of thing resonates throughout a long time, right? Like you remember the person that picked you out as being like, oh, hey, let's, let's give him what he needs, right? Like that's what, that's really what a good coach does. They give you what you need in the moment. And that's, I was ready to leave the camp 
I, and it's not, it had nothing to do with anyone else. Like I just had trouble breaking into that group of like 22 year old kids. Right. And yeah. I, I always remember it. And I, I'm like happy to have this opportunity to thank you for that moment. Cause it yeah. definitely helped me go through the rest of my career and be a little bit more courageous and, and break into more groups. So I know it's like a weird, like personal story I'm telling on the podcast. It's not at all. Not at all. It's totally true. And I, I'm, it's, it's just really cool to, to talk to you and see you kind of lead this team that I got chirped for not putting you on the top 20, but I'm sure you'll be there eventually. This piece. Well, I, I appreciate it. And yeah, it's, it's been really cool for me too, because I, it was funny when, when Chris came on the podcast, I said, I had Kyle and he worked the camp at Brown and like, I know him, but like, I don't know him. And, and I think exactly. it's also one of the, one of the beautiful things about this game, right. Is, is that we have interactions like that, but we go different directions. And then all of a sudden we see each other down at, at the IMLCA event in December. And I wish we had, we had more time to catch up there, but uh, you were nice enough to extend the offer and it's awesome to, to reconnect and, and have this opportunity. Yeah. Coach, we met when you were assistant coach at UMass, the first year of the program, Ed Stevenson was the head coach. And then we kept in touch when you were at Dartmouth and we had some correspondence and, correspondence and I would run into you from time to time and, and certainly always had a lot of respect for you because you would always respond to my text messages or my emails. If I called you, you'd call me back and you can't say that for all coaches in this industry. I'd say most of them are very good, but that's what's great about this game too is people who get it and understand what it's all about, put their egos aside and do what's best for the game and the people that are involved in the game. It's when you get people that don't get it, think they're better than the game, they don't belong in the game. Well, if I, if I get to that point, Jack, you let me know, all right? Because we're, we're all ambassadors of this sport, right? And it is about the game of lacrosse and, and the young people involved and growing it and helping them develop. And I've certainly enjoyed working with you over the years and, and had some great conversations and always appreciate your, your insight and willingness to help. Coach, let's dive a little bit deeper into your recruiting philosophy. Because I think when, when Coach Criatelli was on here, we were talking to him about how he evaluates players. And he had, a, he had some, some kind of, I think, deep dive looks into, into what he looks for in like defensemen, right? Like he looks for what they do after a goal. He looks for what they do if they're the two slide, things like that, where they go on the clear. What are your priorities when you are evaluating a potential student athlete? Yeah. So we, we kind of we talk about it as like the, the base price of admission. There's sort of four things. We look at toughness, skill set, athleticism, and, and your smarts, your IQ, your decision-making on the field, right? And, and basically you've got to have at least two of those to get in the door and, and get on the board and start to be part of the conversation. And, and then we're, we kind of, we kind of break things down by area of the field, the defense, generally speaking, we're, we're looking for long and aggressive in the middle of the field. We're looking for speed and toughness. And, and then on offense, we're looking for guys that are skilled and explosive. And, and for each of those two things, for those kind of areas of the field, you got to have at least one of them. I do believe that the game comes in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. And that's one of the beautiful things about us and about this game. I mean, you look at our roster, we've got defensemen that are six, four, but we've also got defensemen that are six or five, eight, excuse me. But, uh, but those are sort of the, again, the baseline price of admission that we're looking at when we're out there and ev evaluating 
And then everything starts to kind of filter down more into the nitty gritty from there. We're also a uh, big believers in, in recruiting by roles. I get the question a lot from, from parents and, and recruits, how many attackmen are you bringing in? And, and that's not really an easy question for me to answer because we don't really look at it that way. We look at it more as, Hey, we need to make sure that we've got a guy that's got a skill set as a feeder, a guy that's a, a stretch shooter, a hammer guy. It, it takes all the parts to make the whole, and, and we don't want to be the same, same all the way across the board. We're going to take a quick break. But there's more Chasing the Goal podcast on the way. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Dedication, skills, focus, and the drive to play at the highest level. Massachusetts is committed to providing the coaching and curriculum that will allow boys and girls to learn and grow as individuals and as teammates. With an emphasis on skill development and academic excellence, their players have led the country in college recruiting for the past 10 years. With over 800-plus players moving on to play in college and over 130-plus high school All-Americans, Massachusetts has been able to set the nationwide standard unmatched in the sport of lacrosse. To learn more, log on to Massachusetts.com. That's Massachusetts.com. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England lacrosse? New England Lacrosse Journal and LaxJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England lacrosse scene. Have every issue of New England Lacrosse Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to LaxJournal.com to receive daily digital lacrosse coverage on club lacrosse, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by logging on to LaxJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Lacrosse Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. This winter, Piatelli Lacrosse has a great way for you to stay in shape and play lacrosse. Kyle, yes. Yeah, starting in January, we have box lacrosse leagues for youth and high school. Players of all ages at two convenient locations in Agawam and Taunton, Massachusetts. The up-tempo pace of box lacrosse is an excellent way for players to learn to play faster and develop new skills that will make you more effective on the field in the spring. And coaches will be provided for each game, and all players will take part in mini-clinic prior to the game where we will work on different box lacrosse skills. Make the most of your offseason, play some box lacrosse. This program is open to all interested players. For more information on our Winter Box League, visit www.piatellilacrosse.com. Coach, looking at your roster for this year, you brought in five freshmen from New England region. What is it about New England talent that you keep coming back to? Because you have a ton of guys on your roster that are are from the region. Yeah, 
I think like a lot of schools, your bread and butter is is that three, four hour radius, right? I've always thought of it as as it's close enough to home that if you need to get home for a family event, something's going on, you can get back relatively easy, but it's far enough away from home that the mom and dad can't show up unannounced. So it's kind of that sweet spot. And and I think that has a lot to do with it, certainly as well as our, our notoriety as an institution, as a program, I, I think uh, has a lot of weight in the in the region. So we get a lot of interest there. We put a lot of time into it. Certainly, Chris Biatelli on our staff. I always like to joke with him that he's like Mr. Massachusetts across. He, he knows he knows a lot of the coaches. He knows a lot of the young men. He knows a lot of the programs. Those are those are big assets for us for for sure. But I, I'd also well actually hold on, Kyle. First off, I, you're you're not going to pull on the on the New Hampshire thread any any more than. And what you did there, you're just going to touch on it. You're just I'd, gonna... I'd try not to pull too hard because people get a little upset. People, <laughs> people, people accuse me of things that are not true. Oh, they are true. I listen, I, I love when I see any roster of any team, D, D1, D2, D3, I don't care. If you have an NH next to your hometown, I'm probably going to talk about you at some point, right? And or write about you at some point just because, listen, I coach there, I, I love living there. I hate driving to Massachusetts and driving through a bunch of people. I'm sorry. Listen, yeah, you can cut this if you want, but none of y'all can drive. I don't understand. It. <laughs> How did you get licenses? I, I, I don't get it. I, I get yeah, How do you feel about that? You can park better. I'm going to give you that. Y'all park way better than us, but you can't drive. Come on, Jack. What do you got? I couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, right? Absolutely. Oh, man. Uh, every, I have two hands on the wheel. Every every second that you are on a Massachusetts highway, if you don't have two hands on your wheel, you are in danger. And I never look at my phone. Nope. I don't, it rings. I don't answer it. Nope. My palms are sweating. <laughs> All right, I'm, 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 getting, get I'm getting older in, in, in age. Yeah. I mean, uh, not too old, though. You, you look good today. Oh, thanks. Working out after the holidays? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Little Zumba? Lost, lost, lost some weight, and I, I might, might, might make a comeback. You never know. Oh, that's what I hear. Onel, Onel, Onel message boards firing off right now. Coach, I want to touch on one thing you said earlier. You said you recruit for toughness. It's, a, it's an attribute I hear a lot of coaches talk about. How do you define it? Because it's such a nebulous term when you apply it to lacrosse. Like, what does that mean? What's, what's a tough attackman look like? Like, what's a tough... Everyone knows faceoff guys have to be tough. Everyone knows goalies get hit by the ball. They have to be tough. Defensemen, it's like part of their DNA to be, be tough. What does that mean for you? When you see tape of a guy and you're like, oh, he's tough. What does he do to make you say that? The number one thing is how he responds. How he responds to what happens. Both, both good and not so good. That's what we're really looking for. Are guys hanging their head? Are they palms up? Or... They didn't finish and now they're riding super hard. They're helping get, get up for their teammates. They're making the simple play on the next one. They're not, they're not compounding their mistakes. So in a simple way, it's, it's how you respond. It's an event and how you respond. That's ultimately in my mind, what, what dictates your toughness. Certainly there's, there's physical toughness, right? There's a willingness to stick your nose in a pile or to take a hit to, to put the ball on the back of the, of the goal. I more refer to that as selflessness, even though I think a lot of people talk about that as toughness. And the reason I, I do that is because to me, your, your team needs the ground ball. Your team needs you to turn the corner and bury your shoulder and finish, right? That's putting the team before. Again, the toughness is more about how you respond to something that happens. What do you do in that moment? That's your, that's your character and that's what we're looking for.
and I coach believe that in order to be physically tough, you've got to be mentally tough. If you're mentally tough, you're really focused between the lines. And no matter what you do between the lines, it doesn't matter in terms of you get a bang on the arm or a bang on the leg, or you focus on picking up that ground ball, no matter who's checking you in the, in the stomach, in the head, no matter what you do, you got to be mentally, mentally tough. And I think it's, it's tough to find those players that are mentally tough starting out maybe in college, and then they gradually figure it out and become the whole package. So yeah, Jack, the, uh, it's a development process for sure. Some guys have it when they get here, other guys, it, it takes time. We see a lot of freshmen who I like to say, take it out of a fire hose for a little bit. They, they look like they can't see more than a couple inches in front of their face when they're out there on the field. Sometimes you go, man, what, what was I looking at when I was evaluating? And then after a few months or come the spring or maybe even a year, sometimes you're like, oh, there, there it is. Right. Because everything's bigger, stronger, faster. It's just happening at another level. The standards are that much, but guys, a lot of times figure it out. And, and we, we do a lot of teaching and coaching. We'll bring in outside resources. We use the resources that we have at our disposal to talk about mental toughness, to develop those skills. I believe that it's a skill like anything else. I think it's just undertaught and undercoached. So when you're recruiting these players, how many resources do you use to evaluate their character? Yeah, that's the number one thing that's important to me. But yes, you, you have to have the skills, you have to have the athleticism, so on and so forth. So you got you to gotta meet the admission standards. But you're gonna, I'm going to spend, we as a staff and all the young men in our program are going to spend a lot of time with each other, right? And so you want to go to work with people that you enjoy being around, that, that work hard, that have similar beliefs and value sounds, right? So we, we certainly recruit to that. Every young man that comes on campus, I take a few hours and, and spend with him and his family to walk around campus. And, and that's when I get the biggest insight. It can be young men can put on a face for a half an hour meeting in the office, but you spend three, four hours with the young man and his family. You see how many times he rolls his eyes. Does he keep holding the door? Does he just do it the first time? All those, all those little things, but certainly rely on you all as, as coaches, rely on what we're seeing. Go back to, to Chris's point when he was on, what is that young man doing on the sideline? What's he doing as he's leaving the field? All those are moments to make an impression. Yeah. A number of coaches are now at tournaments watching players behind the players bench and looking at the players when they come off the field, how they react, are they throwing their stick? They taking the helmet off? They sitting down, they're pointing fingers where they just made a mistake. And I think it's very, very intriguing now that they're actually spending more time behind the bench watching the players play because being part of that bench is very important because you carry 45, 50 players a year on your bench. And those players, they might not play the first year, they might not play the second year, but you need them obviously to be positive, a big part of the team. And they could be big time players for your program come their junior and senior year. It's finding those guys that are willing to stick it out and root for their teammates on their field, knowing they're not, not going to play today, tomorrow, but eventually they're going to get their chance. hundred percent. And I'll give you a great, great example. There, there was a young man who came in as a freshman, happens to be a young man from New England. I'll, I'll go as far as that. I'll leave the last anonymous, but in, in a drill, his freshman year in the fall, he stopped play. He just stop playing in the middle of the drill. 
ball went down on the ground. And this was one of those examples where it was like, he just, it was overwhelming for him in that moment. And my assistant came out, he's like, cut him. He's done. You can't stop playing. I'm like, you're not wrong, but I know that young man to be different because we looked into his background. We met him, we talked to him, we talked to all his different coaches. That young man's a lot tougher in that moment than he showed. And that young man has turned out to be a leader for us four years later and be a guy that's doing a lot of damage out on the field. So again, it's, it's a process. It takes time to develop and we're, we're certainly invested in that. Follow-up question with that. So when players come in, what would you say is the number one challenge for them to be successful at RPI? Is it the academics? Is it the commitment to practices, the film, or the lifting weights? What would you say is the number one challenge for these athletes coming into RPI and for them to have the success that you just talked about? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Honestly, Jack, I don't, I don't know that there is a number one thing. I think it's all, it's all those things and it's different depending on the young man, right? Sometimes the academics are completely overwhelming and that affects everything else. Sometimes it's getting used to living away from home and dorm life. Sometimes it's, it's the level of standards and the, how hard we practice and the amount of time that goes into it and the extra work off the field. Sometimes it's the weight room. They, they just aren't there yet physically. So it really, it really just depends, I think, on, on that young man at the end of the day, whether they're going to do the freshman thing, as I, I like to say, and it's going to take them a little while to figure it out, uh, or they're going to come in and hit the ground running and, and never really blink. Now, do you have a system in place where you monitor whether they're attending classes and then monitor their grades on a monthly basis or per term basis? Yeah, we, we, we've certainly got systems in place. This is one of the great things about working at a high academic institution is, is we have a lot of young men that are extremely driven. Right. I, I don't really need to look over them in that regard too much. They, they, they come to a place like this because they want to be successful, right? And, and they understand the hard work that goes into it. They, they understand the rigors of what they're walking into. And, and we're very upfront about this. We've, we've lost some recruits here and, and I'm asking them, hey, why? Why didn't you decide to come here? Why'd you pick this other place? Coach, I, I think it's just going to be a little bit too hard for me. Perfect. I'd never heard a be better reason. If, if you're not ready to work hard in the classroom, in the film room, in the weight room, hit the wall, out on the field, this, this isn't going to be the right place for you. But it's also why you look at the outcomes and, and they're tremendous, right? People have gone on to do some unbelievable things coming out of a place like RPI. I think just to touch on something you said earlier about always watching kids after the play and, and seeing them in their club games, their high school game and how they, how they act. I do that too. I'm my, part of my job is to write up all these kids and uh, kids, I got, I got to tell you something, man, it, your coach, if I've written about you, your coach is going to ask me about you. Okay. And I'm not going to lie to him because I have nothing to gain by lying to anyone. Right. If I've seen you throw your stick down and throw your helmet down after you had a bad shift, like I'm going to run. And I think that's like a good lesson for all the kids. Not just, not just me. But someone is always watching you after the play. Someone is all, it's not just film on tape of the game. It's not that. It's everything else. And I, I, I listen, I've written about kids that aren't great. Okay. I've done it because it's part of the job. But if someone asks me privately, I will tell you what I think. I've interviewed a lot of kids. I've, I've, like we get a lot of requests to have them on here, that have more players on here. And I, I would love to do that. 
I just, I, I think it would be tough to fill an entire podcast with the things that we talk about with one recruit. I, I think that's tough, but the, le- the real like message I want to get out there is the one that you guys said, but also to reinforce that, like, it's not just your coaches. Like if no one wants to recruit a guy who's going to sit in the back of the bus and not be friends with everyone. Right. You know? and, and the other thing, you never know who was watching. Right. Right. You just don't. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's important. And, yeah. And, and like, let's, let's be clear. It's not, it's not a pressure thing. It's just do, do the right thing, right? Do the right thing. Act, act responsibly, right? Own your business. There's, there's no secrets here, right? At the, at the end of the day, we're all looking for high character people again, because we're all going to spend a lot of time together. The yeah. last thing we want is, is, oh, there's, there's this young man coming to the office and like, oh gosh, I got to talk to him again, or I got to deal with him today. Like, well, nobody wants that at the end of the day, right? You, you want to work with people that you're excited to go to work with, that you enjoy spending time with, that are growth oriented, that have high character, that, that want to develop, right? That's, that's what makes the experience at the end of the day. Well, you had mentioned that you really don't have to monitor your players when it comes to the academic piece. So being in a place like RPI and having highly motivated players allows you to do what you want to do is coach these great young men. You don't have to discipline them or tell them to go to class or you got to get your grades up. It's a very small percentage of your workload. And that's to your point, that's why you're there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's also, Jack, it's, it's who I am and, and how I like to teach. I'm, I'm about empowering our young men. We, we want to be here for them. We have tons of great support resources. We, I'm sure other division three schools have an academic advisor in the athletic department. I probably just don't know about them, but we have a dedicated person that's here just to help our student athletes. That's her sole purpose on the academic side of things. I do meet with our freshmen regularly as they come in the door. We have what's called the early warning system on campus. And if a young man bombs a first test, we'll get a notification about it. But those, those are conversations. It's, it's always for me, what did you do and what did you get? And then what are you going to do differently if you don't like the outcome? Right. And that's that growth process that we just repeat and recycle, rinse and repeat over and over again, whether we're talking academics, whether we're talking out on the field, in the weight room, you, you name it. Right. All right. You did X, you got this, you didn't like it. Okay. So what are the lessons to learn? How are you going to change and, and make yourself better moving forward? Right. And then how can I help? What do you need? Right. What support systems do you need? And, and there is a certain point where there are some young men where we have to say, okay, you, you need study hall. You, you haven't even gotten to the point yet where you can monitor yourself and, and be aware enough to say coach or humble enough and drop the ego as you all mentioned before, right? Hey, I need help. But we, we really try to break down those barriers so that we can empower our young men in the, in the process. Yeah. I think the other thing about that too, is that's not just for being on a lacrosse team. You know what I mean? Like having the yep. accountability. That's life being a good person, being someone that someone wants to see, right? Like, I love seeing Jack here in the morning. As much as we rib each other here, and I love seeing our producer, Dave Yass, here. Like, I'm pumped to come in and do this because I know that they both have my back and I have theirs, and that's part of what being a unit is. When you go and work other places in your life, you're not working by yourself ever, pretty much unless you're doing your own thing. And even then you have to work with people. No one just hands you money. I mean, maybe you do if you're like a Nepo baby or whatever, but listen, you have to be able to work with people. 
And the other part of that is you have to learn how to enjoy that if you're not really good at that, right? Like that's a thing that you can learn in college. That's a thing you can learn being a part of a team. And I know we're hammering hard on this theme, man. Like we're hitting real hard on this theme, but I think it's actually very topical for a lot of kids that are, are entering their senior year in high school, senior year in college, changing jobs. Like if you're listening to this and you're going through that, just be mindful of the, one of the most important things in your life is being able to get along with people. And that's coming from someone who does, didn't always get along with people. I'm going to be honest. I'm not, I wasn't the guy that got along with everybody, right? Yeah, I'm really surprised to hear that. Very strong. Hey, with strong opinion, people have to understand when they're being stubborn and when they're, when they're trying to make a point. I think that's kind of the fine line. That's the edge that, that you run when you're, you're strong. I mean, you're, you're that way too, right? Like you have, you just have to throw away an ego. And that's like a really big lesson of any upward movement through sports or work is like your ego doesn't really matter. Like at the end of the day, you're, you're a name on a sheet, you're on a depth chart and you're playing a role on this team. But if you're not going to fulfill all your responsibilities, like there's going to be consequences. Yeah. And like to say, coach, when I was in college, we'd have some seniors, juniors, freshmen coming in and right away they would have an instant opinion of the players. Oh, he's got a shitty attitude yep. or he's not very good. He has no left or making comments about the freshman and yep. everybody. But at the end of the day, you can't judge a player by its cover, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the coach has to get to know his players and he recruits these guys. He, you got to get to know them before you make opinions, assumptions. And instead of criticizing these freshmen coming in, you have to embrace them, get to know them. They might be struggling in the classroom or they might be very intimidated on the field, you become a better team when you get to know your, your teammates. You can't be stubborn and not wanting to get to know them and just have an opinion about them. I think things have changed a lot since you and I have been in college. Yeah, 100%. It's yeah. changed in high school. In high school. <laughs> yeah. The whole game has changed. Like the, the way the lacrosse was a thing that you played when you got cut from other sports. I'm just going to be real with everybody <laughs> listening to this. How many sports did you get cut from? I never got you? cut from any sports. Thank you very much. No. <laughs> but, a great follow-up question. <laughs> but, however, I was not as good at those sports as I turned out to be talented at lacrosse, and I just didn't know. Oh, you must right? have been really good at those sports. I was pretty bad. I'm five foot seven. I've been five foot seven since fifth grade. What do you want from me? And you wanted to be a center? I, I was a center on a championship team in fourth grade. <laughs> but the, the, whole, the whole point of it is the, it's not a sport where you can just show up anymore. There's, there are places you can do that. Even at, even at the high school level, there are certain places you can do that still. That's, that's 100% true. But you can't go to college and not do the work and not do the workouts and like skate through practice. You're not good enough. That's not good enough anymore. Coaches don't want that. They'll, they'll throw you somewhere else. Someone might take you, but like, well, you don't want that. You won't survive here very long. I'll tell you that much. Coach, wouldn't you say today much differently than it was maybe even when you played at Dickinson, you're a great attackman at Dickinson, that the players, the leaders of your team will, if a player is not making it work for himself, they more or less force that player out. But it's not, not in a bad way, but just not a good fit. Or yeah, yep. it's something that, you end up not having to do because you've got such great leaders and great men. And that's just the way college lacrosse seems to work today. If they, 
if the player just isn't working out, get a lousy attitude or he's drinking too much or this, that, and the other thing, he's sort of forced out by his own teammates. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, when, when the young men have the right culture and, and as a coaching staff, you create the right environment, those things take care of itself. Because when you're surrounded by people that, that have a passion for the game, that want to grow and develop, that put in a lot of hours and work really hard, they don't tolerate <laughs> when it's outside of that. Right. And so a lot of times that, that happens. And, and we're also fortunate here to have a great culture of, of brotherhood. And I've had a couple of young men step away and their explanation was coach, I'm just not fully invested. And the last thing I'd want to do is let down all the guys that, that are, I care too much about, about my teammates. You got to respect that. And, and so you're hundred percent right, Jack. Yeah, I think, you know, before we, before we wrap up, I just want to kind of springboard us into 2023. I had a successful campaign last year. I think a lot of people were, were surprised at your, your signature win over RIT in the Liberty League. Going into this year, the Liberty League pr produced two teams in the national championship, right? It's, and it's somehow still criminally undercovered, somehow, right? How do you parse your role in the conference? in the national picture and everything you're trying to do to get you to the same level as, as union and RIT. Yeah. Look, I think that's the beautiful thing about this league and it's so going back four and a half years ago. One of the things that really attracted me to this place, because you, that if you're able to come out the other side of the, of the league and make it to the NCAA tournament, that you're, you're prepared. You have the ability coming out of this league. To be able to compete for a national championship and, and no better example than this past year. Right. So we're excited to be challenged every week and, and have such a deep, deep, strong league and, and so many great coaches and great players that, that compete across the Look, we're just trying to grow and develop every day, every week and, and get better. We're trying to be the best we could possibly be and, and maximize this group's potential. But what that means for us is, is yet to be written this year, but I know that we've got a group that's working extremely hard. That's excited about what's ahead of us. And I couldn't be more proud of this group. I've gotten asked a question a lot, right? Coach, how's, how's the team, right? It's that time of the year. And I got to joke around that, well, if I don't like the team that I'm coaching, I got nobody to look at, but myself, I'm in year five. These are all guys, young men and families that I recruited. And I'm, I'm really excited about what we have. We've got a tremendous culture. We've got a lot of talent. So we're, we're going to go to work and play our tails off and get after it. Hard to believe you've been there almost five years, coach. I don't know where the time is going. It's going by way, way too fast. Last question I had for you about your program. You have a fall season, right? You have a fall season, and yep. then you start up pretty early in the wintertime. Like, you've already been at it for a week, and I know the Ivies don't start for, I think, another week in terms of when they can practice. So you're much different than the Nescacks as well because they don't have fall ball, but you're allowed to have fall ball. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we have to follow the NCAA rules like everybody does, but then in certain conferences, certain leagues, they restrict you further. We don't have those. We just have to follow the 19 weeks. This fall, we, we only used four. So we went with, with the low end. We've usually done five in the past. So we got to, got to start a little bit, a little bit earlier. Might have us help us navigate some weather here in the early January, February, as it's coming down pretty heavy right now. So yeah, we're, we're fortunate to get the time together to be able to get after it and slowly build up towards the first game and, and be prepared for that first non-conference matchup. And Keep getting better from there all the way through April and to May, hopefully. Well, Coach, hope to check out some of your games, either on a stream or in person this year. We really want to thank you for coming on the podcast. 
Yeah. And Kyle, I think you'll, uh, you'll, you'll really appreciate the feed this year. We've leveled up, but thanks to Kevin Beatty and, and our uh, communication staff here, Dan Ball, who uh, calls some of the Albany Firewolves games is, uh, is going to be on calling and our, our student group, RPI TV, will be doing a lot of the broadcasting. So uh, I know that's big and you talk a lot about that. Hopefully that'll be up to snuff for you. I do. And I'm sure it will be. Coach, I'll be out to see. Thank you guys very much. Yeah, and I'll be out to see one or two of your games. Spend a little time out in Albany and get a chance to see my nephew on the sideline, which I'm looking forward to. But get good luck this season, and thanks very much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it, gentlemen, and look forward to continuing to stay in touch. Thanks again for listening to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chasing the Gold podcast. For Jack Piatelli, I'm Kyle Devitt. We'll see you next time.